Well, good morning, Johnny. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. You're in Utah? I am in Utah. Uh, Lovely country. I just love Utah. Beautiful place. I do, too. I grew up in L.A. In fact, I was uh, my first job I ever had was on K-Earth 101. Ah, cool. Yeah, still going. Well, it was going strong. I don't think. Yeah, not so much. I think when 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 Don Steele died, uh, you know, disc jockeys died. I think the real Don Steele and the Hullabalooer and all that. I mean, those are great voices. And of course, you know, you were one of the great voices too. What an iconic sound Love had. Um, Tell me a little bit about uh, you know being approached for this docu series. Was it was there any trepidation on your part to be part of it? Yes, there was because. I had been involved in other uh, documentaries or other uh, films, and they were not interested in hearing our story. They had kind of preconceived ideas and notions of how things were, and they basically had an agenda which they wanted to push Mm. rather than just allowing musicians just to say, warts and all, you know, we told our story. We said, this is how this happened. This is what happened. And we explain it and we talk about it. And that's interesting because you're hearing the truth from the people who actually uh, made the music and who actually lived it. It is such a part of the American consciousness uh, when when we made the, the the switch musically from folk songs to protest songs and then into uh, you know the sound of the '60s and, and '70s. Um, how did you start? Where, where did you find your love of music? Was it from being a little kid? And, and Yes, I was a little kid. I was born in Memphis. We left when I was still a kid. But um, there was this guy, um, Dewey Phillips, and he was a country uh, disc jockey. And then there was uh, Rufus Thomas and Luke yeah. Hart Williams on, <laughs> uh, which I forget the name of the stations now. But Anyway, that's what we listened to. And my father loved gospel music. He loved blues. So um, I was just inundated with that type of music my whole life. And so, and as was Arthur. And so we had this kind of, we had eclectic taste. We liked jazz and we liked gospel and rock and R&B. And so we tried to meld many of those genres together to form what became the sound of love, if you could call it a sound, because it it varied so much from from record to record. I also think that music is always the harbinger of change. I mean, uh, you know, we went from, uh, you know, kind of an innocence to to growing up during the 60s about the Vietnam War and and all the protests and everything. And the music was was the soundtrack to all that. Absolutely. It was the catalyst because people, I think of our music, especially as kind of, um, we were kind of like town criers. We were memorializing a point in time and there was turmoil happening in this country, you know, from uh, the Vietnam War, which everybody just expected at any moment to be, you know, dragged out of Oz into some godforsaken jungle. So that was always um, just in the back of your mind at any point in time. They could just grab you up and, and you'd be over there. So uh, and we just told the story of how we felt and what was happening, and it, it all reflected itself in the art. In our final moments, uh, one of the things that the docu series points out is that Laurel Canyon became kind of a community of musicians. Did did you 
and your neighbors get together and jam a lot? I mean, was there a lot of that going on? All the time. We played together and saw each other every day. So, yeah, there were uh, people sharing ideas and, and playing together all of the time. So it was like basically one big jam session. Yeah, so that was something that was unique to the time. And as I said, people were, they left their egos, you know, down the canyon because, you know, you'd have people such as, as Frank Zappa and David Crosby playing with some kid who happened to live in the area too. And they were all accepted as part of the, the group. And obviously uh, in, in our seconds that we have left, Laurel Canyon is, is the docuseries is a love letter to all of that, but it doesn't hold back. I mean, we talk about some of the tragedies that, uh, that people had to go through the suffering for their music, so to speak. Yes. We tell the story the way it was from our perspective. And, you know, one of the things we should always try to do is to be honest and tell it like it was, you know, warts and all, because none of us are perfect. We all, you know, make mistakes. And so uh, I think you should just let light shine on it. That's the best, best disinfectant is light. Johnny, thank you so much for your time. Uh, I really appreciate it. And I love your music. And, and, and thank you for my childhood. Thank you for all the, the, the lovely, lovely sounds that are still in my head. Well, thank you. It's it's an honor. It's like meeting royalty uh, right so. now. Court jester, maybe, but uh, oh no, not at all. I mean, uh, what an incredible journey uh, in music you guys have had, uh, and and what a great way to present it in this docu series. Uh, what was what was it like when they approached you? Was there hesitation on your part to be part of this? Not at all. I uh, I knew who was doing this. I you know I, I, I knew people behind this and their credentials spoke volumes and I, I said I'd love to love to talk because you know, now the birds sure. are you know obviously an iconic group uh, they're, they're um, such an amazing uh, uh, transformation from what it started out to be uh, to what they ended up I mean finding your your voice your sound hmm. it's a journey on it uh, of its own uh, can you tell me a little bit about that we, uh, it was all, I don't know, we, we, five of the most diverse human beings on the planet get together, coming out of folk music, acoustic music, plugging in. Uh, Beatles were obviously a huge influence at the beginning. And then we fell into this wonderful gift of Mr. Tambourine Man, a song Bob had, Dylan had written and recorded but didn't like how it came out he'd done it with, with Ramblin Jackie Elliott or something we ended up with it and uh, Roger McGuinn arranged it into a, a danceable groove so it just fell into our lap and it took off it's just sometimes you can't analyze it, it just, <laughs> you know it just happened and uh, we had a great time we were right on the cusp because we were we were still the very first one of the first tours we did it was almost like being 1959 on the Buddy Holly tour because we were playing high schools of Dick Clark Caravan of Stars and that's wow. so it was the birds <laughs> and Bo Diddley and uh, Paul Revere this and that and uh, playing high school uh, gyms all over the Midwest. You you were coming into the scene just as you know like I said the uh, what they call the 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 British invasion was happening as well. So in fighting that, I mean, was there was there a lot of um, jumping back and forth in music styles during that time? 
Oh, I don't know. I mean, we sort of, once we, once we had something that worked out for us and we were developing our sound, we sort of stuck within that, but um, we became quite uh, close with the Beatles that first year. They were very, very kind to us and uh, often mentioned us in the, a lot of their press, uh, uh, a lot of their interviews as our, the birds were their favorite band. And George Harrison did write, uh, if I needed someone, I think it was, wow. that was an, uh, as an honor to us. And, um, that was great. That was fantastic. Going to London in 1960, all that. So we were on, we were still getting all of that and having, I think the, the birds, the band itself must have watched a hard day's night 20 times. It was, <laughs> we like, all did. It was like a blueprint. You're going, wow, what fun. These guys are having a lot of fun. And to you this day, I always say they healed us. They healed the country and the world from Kennedy's died in November. They were on TV in February, 64. Amazing. What also is, is really prevalent in the series is the fact that if you did a genealogy chart with the, with the birds at the center of it, you guys are connected to everyone who, who was any voice in the 60s. It's an almost incestuous. <laughs> but yeah, we, I mean, there were a lot of things. I mean, interesting, the birds... Uh, the offshoots of the original birds were pretty amazing. And I, I don't know, maybe I have the, I hold the title of being in the most bands after the birds, whatever that <laughs> means. But David, of course, did quite well. Uh, Gene Clark did quite well on his own. And as did um, Mike Clark, the drummer, ended up in Firefall and all these bands in the 70s and 80s. Chris, again, as I said at the beginning, it's such an honor to talk to you and, and, uh, and just spend this little time talking about music and the birds. Thank you so much. Thank you very much.